Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. That's some good emails that I want to read at the end of the show. We'll also be talking about a little a bit of a New York City Marathon news. We'll also talk about the new DQ rules in world athletics. Pretty exciting. Some interesting retirements in the world of NCAA, cross country, and track and field. But first, I will introduce my co-host, the host, the award-winning NCAA cross-country show, Gordon Mack. Gordon, hello. Hello. It's a droggy day out in Texas right now. It's rain. Uh, you told me that you, you saw a car accident on your way to the office. Was it, was it Was it major? It was bad. It was bad. I thought I'd be here later than you because I was a witness, so I had to wait for law enforcement to show up and – give them my information just in case they need me. But I still managed to get here t- 10 to 15 minutes before you. Yeah, a guy just blew a stop sign right in front of me, smashed right into another car. Car <laughs> went flying into the median. There was lucky there was no one on the sidewalk. It would have completely taken somebody out on the sidewalk. It was, you could see it developing, but you just waited for one of them to, to you know, hit the brakes and it just didn't. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually gonna happen. And then I thought, well, maybe at the last time I was like, maybe the angle, like I'm seeing the angle wrong. Like I couldn't believe it was actually going to happen because it was a really wide intersection and you could kind of, you could stop in the middle if you wanted to. Some cars do, you know, how some cars will go if and then there, there's like a break in the road and then they'll wait till the car passes and then go. So I thought, well, maybe that's like what this person's doing, but no, man, right, right into it. Luckily no one was hurt. Um, cars were in really, really bad shape. And, um, it was raining too, so everybody was standing out in the rain. It was just a miserable, miserable scene all around. But I am here, so drive safely, folks. That's the message of today's show. Be careful. Got it. Drive safely. Yeah, I've driven with you before. I know you. You're a safe driver, although you do have the record for most times being honked at in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> we were there for I don't know if it was the NCAA championships or pre nationals. That one year we went three or four times. And it seemed as if the whole city got a memo to gang up on Gordon as soon as he got yeah. the rental car. It was just boom, one after the other after the other. And each time you got more and more upset at the person who was honking at you, whether or not they were justified or not. It was really weird. After the third or fourth honk, I thought there's something. Is there a note on the side of the car? It's like a kick me sign. Did someone put that on the back of our our mid-sized, uh, mid-sized rental. I don't know. Madison was a little bit confusing with the lanes. Yeah. You know, you think you're in the right lane, and then it's like, oh, you have to turn. And like, if I want to keep going straight, and then you have to get into the other lane. So if you don't know, some, tra- I mean, some traffic directions can be confusing, especially when lanes become turn-only lanes or straight-only yeah. lanes. So that's probably the situation. Also, Madison just doesn't like me, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of lanes, Gordon. Let's start with our first story. It's all about lane infringement. 
for World Athletics. No, we're not talking about Gordon driving over the white line in Madison. We're talking about new rules. New rules. You've called for them. I've called for them. Pretty much everybody has called for them after the World Indoor Championships in Birmingham a couple years ago, which just saw a rash of DQs. So World Athletics announced two new rules, and they're complete with handy little cartoon graphics to help you understand them. So basically, it's this. You can step inside the line if you're running in a race that's not involved in lanes one time, one time without getting a DQ. Now, that's one time throughout the entire course of the event. So if you step on it once in the semis, that's your one time. Okay. If you're in a lane race, you can step on the line, but not over the line. Those of you watching right now can see the handy graphic there. The picture on the left looks like they're running a 200, maybe a 400. Can't tell. But the first gentleman all the way on the left DQ'd because he's over the line. The other two people are on the line, so they're okay for one time and one time only. The other example on the right there, they're running in a longer distance race where they're outside of lanes. And it's okay if you step over the curb in that case, but just one time and one time only. They also say at the bottom of, of the rule, the new rule here, it says, uh, Athletes racing in lanes shall continue to be disqualified if they are judged to have fully stepped inside the inner uh, borderline or curb even only once, to reiterate what I said before. So if you're in lanes, you can't go over. You can go on, you can't go over. Or if either the acts described in the rules are judged to bring a positional advantage or impede another athlete. So basically you can't do this, which is what I was thinking. I was thinking you save up your one inside move to the final. And then with 100 meters to go in the 1500 meter final, you jump around, you take one step and pop back. No, you still can't do that. If you, you can still be DQ'd for that, even if it's your first violation, if it's deemed to give you an advantage or if you're impeding another athlete. You were there in Birmingham. You've watched the last couple of years where people have been DQ'd, just not even at that championships, but we go back to this last Olympics, Francine Nianzaba got DQ'd for stepping on the line. What do you think of this as a possible solution to this problem they're almost there though i like i like the fact that you're allowed one step on a line i think we just need to recognize like one step on the line is not going to make you have a competitive advantage of running a shorter distance because no one is actually running let's say 200 meters in a 200 meter because no one can actually perfectly put their feet on the exact millimeter on the inside for the, the entire turn, right? Yeah. Everyone is going to be running a little bit over 200 meters, right? So the idea that this one step all of a sudden allowed you to have this massive like advantage over everyone else is just not true, uh, especially even in distance races, right? When like... Yeah. Uh, Colleen Quigley got DQ'd in a 3K steeple because she put her foot on the cone line and it's just like everyone freaked out. It's like, are we kidding me? Do we really think that one millimeter is going to be the difference over 3,000 meters? It isn't. You know, it's just like, come on. Yeah. Um, so they're getting there by recognizing like, all right, one step on the line is not that big of a deal. But I don't like the idea that you're. it's like – if you do it in the semis, then you're not allowed to do it in the final. That makes no That's sense. It. it should be That's one it. per race, not one per event. Doesn't make sense. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like the idea that like you have a strike against you after the the quarterfinals, yeah. and now all of a sudden you're running on eggshells? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's like it's a yellow card. I guess they don't want people to to abuse it, but I think it's covered by that last provision I read where it says, if you're intentionally doing this to gain an advantage in a distance race, right? Because in a sprint race or in a lane race, it's hard to tell because there's not people in front of you. But in a distance race, you could see where someone could use it, pop around somebody, or at least makes them race more aggressively because they know they have this margin of error. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And then I'm thinking, well, they had to come up with some sort of system here, right? They needed a number. Because if they said 
two on the inside or three on the inside, then it's just, well, why not four? And then, and then you're, pe- you're having people uh, completely go outside the rules. So your one change would be you get one per race, basically. Well, I think what they're, I think what they're looking at here is these things that happen are f- more or less flukes. I know Birmingham was an outlier, but in every major championship, other than that one, outdoors, let's just take outdoors, for example, right? How many steps are taken throughout the meet? And how many of those steps are outside the lines? It's a, it's a very, very small percentage. So they're basically saying these things are accidents. These things they are, are yeah. not, the, yeah. So since they're so rare and since they're, they're accidents, the odds of you having multiple accidents throughout the course of first round semis and finals or semis and finals, depending on the, the event that you're in, is rare. So we're just going to draw the line right here. And if you have more than one accident, then either you are not, you're trying to gain, game the system in some way, shape or form, or you just need to get better at how you're running and you need to stay in the lane all the way around. We're, we're trying to eliminate someone getting, having a fluke DQ ruining their entire uh, season and career potentially getting DQ'd out of a big, big name race. So I'm, I guess I'm fine with it from that perspective. I wonder, are they going to show who has a yellow card going into finals? It's like the following people cannot step on the line or they will be disqualified. The following people can step on the line and they won't be disqualified, but only once. Yeah, it's going to be, and is this a rule that's going to like also be like an NCAA rule and a USATF rule? Or is this only going to be done at World Athletic Championships? I mean, it's a it's a World Athletics rule, so we'll see if other institutions adopt it. I I wonder how much data they looked at. I wonder how much they looked at. How how many people are we DQing from these these races? How many DQs get missed? I'm assuming there's some people who have put part of their foot on the line or over the line before where it just doesn't get caught. I'm not talking about the blatant stuff where they put up a flag and then they rule afterwards that, oh, that person was yeah. forced off or whatever. I'm talking about people just stepping over and no one really was paying attention to it because of human error. There's a lot of feet there and they couldn't figure out who it was and nobody protests so they can't go back and look at it on video and you just go on with the rest of your life and that's the end of the meet. Like that, that happens too. And I don't know how much they looked at that number. I just like that it's quantifiable so that everybody understands. So we take out, guesswork a lot of people want this subjective measure of well did it gain an advantage or did it not and that gets you in a really tough spot and i know there needs to be some judgment calls just like there are in other sports but i think those judgment calls should be in place when there's a clear like there's contact between athletes or there's a question of did they impede progress this is something like a false start where you can actually say black and white this was this was a violation or it wasn't a violation so I don't blame track and field for wanting to codify things that are actually able to be clearly seen as in or out, right or wrong. What do you think about this as a solution? Instead of having lanes that are Mm. painted with what a three inch thick white line, how thick is a lane line? I don't know. We'll say three inches. Change the line to the same width but you make it a plexiglass wall yeah. that goes uh-huh. up like two feet, right? So it's literally impossible for your leg to get on the other side of the plexiglass. Yeah. But you keep it plexiglass so you can see your competition. You don't want to be running blind. So everyone is running in just like plexiglass lanes. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, they can hit the wall as much as they want, but they know their body will not be allowed to go inside Same. the lane or outside the lane. What are your thoughts on that? Just running in giant like hallways around a 400 meter track. Listen, at the, hallways. at the beginning of COVID, that's looked like what we were going to be doing all the time. Uh, after Birmingham, I thought at least the inside curb, one way to get around, just put a brick, a little brick wall there, two foot brick wall. No one's going to step over. Now they might fall over, but, and, but then you have some comedic relief at least. It's like a game show where someone's just flying over a wall at that point. So, but you won't get this fluke. Oh, I just lost my balance for one second. I took one step. I regained control of my body. Now I'm back with the pack. It's, 
It's tough. And the tough ones are always... It, I feel like this happens in a distance race at least once, and then in a 200 at least once. And in a 200, it, it, it's always with, you know a semifinal or something, and it's just... It's always only one step. So I think they're going to get a, rid of a lot of these by giving people the yellow card instead of the red card because the people who are over it consistently, it's, at the professional level, you just don't see it as, as much. I'm thinking, of, you know, I'm thinking of recent examples like Quigley, like Chalimo at World Indoors. Like, I mean, like all those people at World Indoors. It was pretty much one step on the inside. Nian Saba, right? Those ones... They're easily explained away, and with the, with this new rule, I think it, it it clears it up. I just wonder why did it? When were those championships? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Why did it take till twenty twenty one? The end of the twenty. Why did we go multiple seasons without a rule change here? They probably uh, got distracted with the pandemic. Then they probably shoes. They got distracted they got shoes. with. Uh, getting ready for the Olympics, got distracted with shoes. A lot of distractions, you know? Yeah. You're right. There's not going to be a perfect rule, and someone's going to have a bad break. That's just the reality of all sports, that someone's going to fall victim to it. The tough part about track is a lot of it's all or nothing because you're not assessing a penalty. It's not as if you you get six fouls or you can get a 10-yard penalty and go back. A lot of the stuff's like you're in or you're out. Either your race or counted. Or second down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no real space to make amends. This is trying to do that as as best it can. But I'm sure there's going to be someone who, it's going to be rare, but someone in the next four or five years is going to pick up a yellow in the first round and then is going to get a red in the final. Or they're going to step all the way over in one of those lane races. They're going to go all the way over and not just on the line. Also, does your whole foot need to be over, or just as because let's put that image up again. I think it's, it's just your whole contact of the foot needs to be over. So I think because you notice maybe it's the whole foot. I don't know. Well, it said here's what the rule says: while racing in lanes and the inner lane line, the border or curb is touched once uh, on the bend. Wait, that's when they're not getting DQ'd. Sorry, sorry. The bottom part right here. Uh, it says if they're judged to have fully stepped. Okay, fully stepped inside the inner border. Okay, so what does fully stepped mean? Fully stepped means the, the entire foot, like we see in that first picture. Is that how you interpret fully stepped? Yeah, but what if your heel is touching the white line? That's not a full right. step, right? Right. So I think the whole foot needs to be out. That's how I'm interpreting This is what they need to do. They need you know to say how that, I came though. up with yeah. You know how I came up with the plexiglass walls as the lanes? I'm just scratching that idea. It's too complicated. What we need to do is we need to change these lanes to be treadmillable. And mm -hmm. what that means is if the if the if they sense that a foot has stepped outside the lane, your lane basically becomes a treadmill for like a half a millisecond which kind yeah. of just slow that makes you basically have to, it's like a penalty like it's an in race penalty so therefore it kind of like yeah. oh you step there so you have to do an extra you know four centimeters of running so they the mm -hmm. entire lane just kind of goes back another four centimeters so it's you know you want smart lanes going. smart lanes yeah the hundred is the easiest to judge here. Do you care? Do you care if someone steps out of the lane in the hundred if they don't touch anybody? No, because they're still running a hundred meters. Yeah. So the question for the hundred is basically just comes down to infringement against a competitor. It doesn't really matter about about the lane because you're still running the exact same distance because you're just going straight. That one's easier to judge. So this is this is everything up from a hundred. But another or idea. Even the, yeah. What about in a no, straightaway? Yeah. Why don't, why don't we just make the track 10,000 meters long? So then all events yeah, can just point. be a straight, a straight race and we're good. There's no yeah. curb infringement. No one's stepping over the rail because there's no turning. It's just 10,000 meters. But it says on here, it says racing in lanes. So that means... If you're on the straightaway in a 200, that still counts. 
So if you if you touch the line on a straightaway in the 200 or in the 400, I think you will be okay. But if you go over, you're going to be DQ'd. Yeah, but what are the odds you can go over straight away? You just, Good point. That, that's the Eli Hall uh, special. Yeah, but one time only. That? Do we have do we have do we have a video of that or? Is... Well, Eli we don't have Hall, Travis, so you're just Wayne, calling up things to produce. YouTube. I want to find it. I like it when they finish in a different lane than where they start, which you see every year at least once in some sort of high school race. And I think those are terrific. We need more of that, I think, not less. Gordon's Googling right now, by the way, for those of you not watching. Go 200 meter, float track, uh, lane. We've on the same lane, found it. Boom. Send it to Colt. Send it to Colt, throw it in the chat. Here it is. Well, let's, let's, let's bring this up. So, yeah, the question is, would a situation like this be DQ'd? Let's put it up. Where's it at? We'll put it up. <laughs> Colt, Colt's clicking all sorts of buttons. You guys can't see it, but Master Producer Colt is on top of it because Travis isn't here. And Gordon's sending him links that... Okay, what are we watching here, Gordon? Talk right. us through so this. So we'll watch it. Just watch, we'll just watch this whole race. It's a 200 meters. What lane is he in? Uh, you'll, you'll find out. I don't know which okay. one. But this college? But high school? Also, what is this? This is junior college with Duke, Eli Hall. Okay. Eventual um, 200 NCAA meter champion. NCAA champion. All right, he's got the okay, headband. He oh, is. wow. Just... <laughs> is that lane infringement? <laughs> and he just looks at him. What are you doing in my lane, bro? He's like, Man, what go are you back. Doing? Go back to the top of the straightaway. I want to see, I, I got to see that again. That was incredible. He got confused <laughs> where he was. There's a lot of lines on the track. Oh, my gosh. That was incredible. Let me see. Okay, so they're coming off the, the curve again. And zoom Why? right wow. into his lane. He caught he in like such he was a running lead. an 800. Yeah, he had yeah. such a big lead on him that he was able to just kind of. So two people finish in lane four here. Yeah. yeah, the guy turns around and says, reminds me of that meme where the person's sitting like this. And they, is this is this lane infringement? That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, moving on. Next, are we, are we good on lane infringement, or do you have any other thoughts? I, I think we're good. I mean, my okay. treadmill idea and my two foot plexiglass lane walls. Yeah, to get they're all patent pending. So yeah, we talked about the wall before though earlier, and we but I decided on brick. I don't want it to be plexiglass. I want it to act. I want it to be brick and mortar out there. I want there to be masons involved. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for, for those of you who are like, hey, why do we even need a rule? You just saw that video. That's why you need a rule. <laughs> Otherwise, you have chaos. Someone will come up with a way around it. Our our New York City uh, marathon preview show is going to be in full on Friday, but we got some news that will impact the field there. Des Linden, who was trying to do the Boston-New York City double, announced that she has scratched from the field, Gordon. The American field... They've had a lot of big scratches, right? Sisson out, Tulimuk out, and now Des Linden. Still some big names in there on the American side and still a type of field where you could see uh, Americans cracking in into the top five. But um, Linden out, so we won't get to see how well she does the, the Boston at New York double. She ran 235 in Boston and got 17th about uh, well three three weeks ago. Yeah, uh, she announced on Instagram. We'll read you uh, her reasoning. She wrote, running 101, you can't force fitness. Needed everything to go perfectly after Boston to get myself ready to compete in New York. Unfortunately, had some aches and pains that took a bit longer than anticipated to get right. Have to make the tough but prudent decision. Nice word, prudent. Decision Mm -hmm. to forego this year's New York City Marathon. I've seen... Working and training, I've seen work and training that shows I still have great running left in my legs. I am willing to compromise the possibility of a great race a little down the line for the sake of an okay race right now. And then she has a nice little quote. The greats never sacrifice the important for the urgent. 
They mm-hmm. handle the immediate problem and then make sure to secure the future Bobby Axelrod on prioritizing the race schedule probably. Upside question mark? <laughs> I'll be on the lead vehicle bringing you women's race updates. Women's race updates via Instagram. Hit that follow button. That's just like an influencer. To like me, subscribe. To me, if you're De- if you're a Desland fan, this it's kind of good news in a way. Like if you want to see her back at the top, she's not just saying I want to run just to run. She's saying I want to run when I'm ready. And I think so many people, not so many people, but a few people have done a bunch of marathons in quick succession. We've seen the Olympic into Chicago doubles in Boston, and obviously we've seen what Shalane Flanagan's doing. Although that's on a totally different scope in and of itself. But we start, we're starting to think of this as normal, multiple marathons in one season, or at least doable. We forget it's very, very difficult. So the fact that she's trying to have a good one instead of just having two mediocre ones, I think is good. And I've said since the trials uh, back in 2020, I think she's got another good race in her. I think she's got another top five in a major left in her. I don't know if she's going to go all the way to the Olympic trials in 2024, but I, I've seen Lyndon thrive enough to know that, that she can, she can get it together one more time. So yeah, you run and your, your absolute best is 235 with someone with her qualifications, not as meaningful as if you could wait and maybe do a real good one in the spring. And we got Boston going in the spring, right? not London, but we have Boston going in the spring. seems like a clear opportunity for her to, to jump back right into it with a full buildup. Yeah, I feel like this is a, a subtle way of saying I'm going all in on Boston in the spring because mm-hmm. she, you know, she's a champion there. They're going to give her a nice little parents fee. She can focus on having trying to get a, get a good uh, opportunity to potentially, you know, have another top five finish at the Boston Marathon. So. Makes sense. It's just a bummer, man. We looked at the New York City Marathon elite yeah. field at the beginning, and it was like the who's who of U.S. women's running, and then one after another is like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. You know, we did the draft, or we had the best of, like which one has the best women's American field, men's American field, elite field overall, and I think we were like New York women for the American, just hands down the best field because you had. Sisson, Seidel, Tuliamuk, Kipiego, you had Lyndon. You had you had everybody at different stages of their career too, right? You had Lyndon seeing if she could get you know get another good one in there. You had Seidel on the come up. You know Emily Sisson, where, where's she at in terms of the marathon? It, it was going to be really really good. It still is. It still does have star power there. Taylor and Bruce are in there as well. But yeah, it's a lot of a lot of DNFs, and I'm sure some of that is you know, related to multiple races, like Sisson coming back from the Olympics and Lyndon coming back from Boston. But yeah, still be solid. I, I looked at that field because we're going to do the preview on Friday and I started doing a bunch of research yesterday, Gordon. Like I said, I it's very possible there's multiple Americans in top five. I'll just say that. Possible there's none as well, but it's it's not too deep. It's after the first couple, there's a lot of beatable people. And Molly Seidel's basically proven that she can beat most everybody in the world, too. She doesn't need much help, and she doesn't need much to go her way before she can get in the top five. And all those other American women who have run you know, sub-228 before also have a chance, too. Another, you want to do another mishmash of interesting things happening in the running world? I noticed you... Sure. Put in this little. I'll, I'll send this to Colt. You are you, you follow the latest fashion trends? Oh, I think Travis. But I think Travis put or that Travis? in. Okay. I didn't put that in. Yeah, I think that was Travis. Yeah, we'll put both of these in. So there's this new. I don't know much about this. This is beyond my pay grade. JoJo was showing me, but apparently there's this new designer shoe that just looks like an old. A6 running shoe. Yeah. And it's like for like 600 bucks and people are buying it. And also I noticed like 
These shoes, they're also making look dirty on purpose. That's also a new fashion trend to have look like dirty shoes. So it looks like your dad's Asics shoes that he wears when he gardens. Yeah. And that's what they're selling for like $600. Yeah. So, I mean, good for good for Asics to kind of have a way to slide it into the, the fashion world like that with like some throwbacks. You're like, do we think in like 20, 30, Eight, we're gonna see a bunch of like vapor flies on runway models being like, check out these vapor flies. Like, is that gonna happen one day? Every every high school cross country coach has sixteen pairs of these in their closet, and if they don't, they threw them out and they're regretting it. Could have been rich. <laughs> they're sitting on the next designer fat. Yeah, you get those on. You just you run an eight thirty mile. Boom. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't doesn't matter who you are. You're right. Get them dirty, run up and down the, the roads, cross country course. Doesn't matter. I running shoes is high fashion is interesting. Obviously, you know, New Balance got branded as the ultimate dad shoe. I think those ASICs are the ultimate coach shoe, if I were to say where they're the most popular, at least in the running world. Yes, dads wear them to do yard work as well, but they're also they're also extremely popular, I think, in the coaching community. Like you get those with a couple like calf high socks, monogram polo, it says Coach Mac on it. You're ready to go out there and, and watch your team run on a Saturday morning invitation on those things. Get your clipboard maybe. Maybe not not just one stopwatch, Gordon, two stopwatches. Gotta have two stopwatches ready. Yeah, got it. You gotta complete the outfit. Another another news story that kinda happened over either this past weekend or Two weekends ago, bring it up here. I'll, look at this. We're, we're doing. We're, we're, we're rapid firing Gordon situation. I'm sending this to Colt as well. So, Cyril Grayson, who was primarily a 400 meter runner for LSU back in the day, was on the LSU's four by four, probably on their four by one as well, maybe, but mainly the four by four. But he also ran an 800 under 150. He's a 149, 800-meter runner. Mm-hmm. And he found a way to make it to the NFL since 2017 and caught his first career touchdown pass uh, over Halloween weekend. Mm. He is the fastest 800-meter runner to ever catch an NFL touchdown. Right? Has to be. Has 149? Pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I I mean, the range. Talk about track range. This is just overall athletic range here for this guy. Yeah, didn't didn't play football. Right? Just doing the stuff on his own in college. As he you ran track and that was that was pretty much it. But at one forty nine you get a lot of if you're a four hundred meter runner at LSU, you get a lot of reps, right? You're running a lot of big time four by fours at SECs. And the third or fourth best person at LSU would be the best 400 meter runner at a lot of different schools, most schools throughout the country. But you just don't get that, that level of uh, exposure, probably because you're only running in, the, in those four by fours. But yeah, 149, that's pretty quick. Brady can't do that. So it got me thinking. If you had to make an all 800 meter football squad, you know, yeah, who's playing what position, right? Now it could be like, it does not just be Americans, but like, who's like, who would you pick as the running back for an all 800 meter football squad? I know tight end, tight end would definitely be, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot his name. Oh, oh, Isaiah, Isaiah Harris? Harris. Isaiah Harris is tight end. No, no, no. Right? Isaiah Harris should play all the positions because he's big and strong. Makes all the other guys look pretty small out there. Like, all due respect to, to Bryce Hopple, if we're lining up on, on NFL Sunday, I'm putting my money on Isaiah Harris. Hopple would be like a slot receiver. He'd be like, you know, he'd be like the Danny Amendola type guy, kind of, kind of the slot coming in, cutting across the field. He's got a kick, though. I think you put him out wide, just have him do some go routes. Uh, so we're talking U.S. men? Is that what we're doing here? It could be, it could be international. You could throw in some Rudishas in there. 
Okay. Whoever you want. Manual career. Gold Manual career. A manual career. Uh, he, he, manual career would be my uh, punt returner because he has that 400 meter speed. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, back in the day, Simmons, Simmons was pretty bulky for a mid-distance runner. I think you'd include him. You know, Brazier obviously has talked on and on about playing football. So I think you just, you got to put him out there and hope that he can back it up uh, as a wide receiver, I think is where, is where you put him. Hard to imagine anybody as a running back. Got to be honest. Hard to imagine any of these guys as a running back. Well, maybe it's like, I think you'd have to pr- bring in like a Leo Manzano coming down to the 800 type in his prime because Leo's a shorter guy, kind of yeah. sneak in between the linemen. So maybe Leo yeah. Manzano would be the running back. I'm just trying to figure out who's the quarterback. If you had to take of all 800 meter runners, who would be your quarterback? So we're looking for not just the physical skills, but you need the leadership ability too yeah. out, out there. Who can command the group? It's a good question. I mean, if you're going, it might be Rudisha just because the the reputation out there. I'd like to see Nigel Amos put some pads on, to be honest with you. Ooh, yeah. His running style, just all out, out there. He, you know, he'd be, he'd be the guy, he'd be the gunner on the, uh, on the punts on the outside tries to get to the kicker turner first because those guys just they have battles out there and i i'd want someone with uh with amos's mindset out there yeah quarterback's a great question i i'm leaning rudisha i mean if we go all time do you throw like a sub co out there wilson kipketer yeah do that the other record holders who think who has like an arm do you think who can actually throw the ball i don't know i mean they're all kind of lanky. Marco Arab's pretty have... tall. Marco Arab's tall, and he went to college at the SEC. Arab, so... yeah. Well, Brandon McBride, he went to SEC yeah. as well. Oh, maybe we should take SEC guys. Yeah, yeah. So they have to make sure they compete in the SEC. Who's Alabama's? Like uh, uh, Ilya Kipsang. Put him in there right now. I know he's not graduated yet, but he goes to Alabama. He's probably seen Nick Saban. If you've seen Nick Saban before, I like your chances. Dave Waddle, he'd probably be the kicker, right? Ooh, with the hat, yeah, yeah. Dave Waddle, I could your... see Dave, I could see Dave Waddle like thriving in special teams. Yeah, special teams, special teams yeah. kicker. So, yeah. anyway, congrats again to uh, Cyril Grayson for being the first ever sub 150 800 meter runner to that make it in of. the NFL. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. That's a cool. I mean, again, just totally off the radar too, because you know didn't play LSU football, and then four hundred. I mean, how many other four hundred meter guys did you did you were you familiar with them? You go pretty deep into people's rosters. I did not remember him. Yeah, you know, because he wasn't. You know, he was like just a solid forty five second guy, and they yeah. they grow on trees down to the SEC. Yeah, exactly. So. And now he has more money than everyone. So congrats to him <laughs> for one touchdown. <laughs> Yeah. Remember we had Bracey on the pod and he's just basically like, well, I didn't get a good contract. So let's, let's explore the NFL. Let's like, see how, see how that's going to go. And you get one, you get one contract and you're in a, a really good financial position compared to, to where you'd be in track. All right. Uh, we got about 20 minutes left. Here we go. We got to get to, you want to talk about the, you want to talk about meets getting postponed still? I thought you were over these stories. Why, why are we bringing these up? I just saw it. I just saw it hit okay. the, as they say, hit the wire. Uh, World Half, which would have been in March, which is being held in China, is now going to be held in November. So, for all you Did big you... World Half Marathon yeah. fans, yeah. buckle up or buckle it's... in, as Daryl Morey says, because we're waiting till November. Okay, which so makes me think, down. okay, who's doing the New York City Half Marathon Double or the Chicago Marathon Half Marathon Double? I want to see these. We have another double out there. Shalane Flanagan going to start doing the half marathon yeah. double? Okay. I know if you had time to think about it, you probably would come up with the answer of March. But if I just said real rapid fire, when is the World Half Marathon Championships? Would you have known March off the top of your head? Uh, I probably would have guessed April. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair. This is you saying no one gives a, no one gives a shit about this event. Yeah. 
Well, in the grand scheme of postponements, yeah, we've had the freaking Olympics postponed. So, a world point. half. Nobody says my goal this year is the world half. It's it's a fun race. I mean, there are people Jimmy, out there who will make it a goal. The world. You think the world half? There's someone who says that's my biggest race year is the world half. I don't think there's a single person on earth who says that. I think there's probably Americans who are like they know they'll never make a world. They'll ever make a marathon team or they'll never make a 10K team. And they're like, ooh, world half is my opportunity. I guarantee you there's probably a handful of – there's 10 men and 10 women out there who are thinking this is my time to shine. No one, like, you know, someone like uh, – what's his name? Who just ran fast. The Furman kid. Frank, Frank Lara. Yeah, yeah, Frank Lara. But, no, but he's going to go for – He'll probably run a marathon next year. And every marathon is basically more important than any half marathon. Or if they're shorter distance, they'll run the U.S. champs in the, in the 10K and try to make it. I stand by my take that nobody has this as the top of their list. It's a nice bonus if you can do it. It's great. But even when Jeffrey Camor was winning world half title after world half title and running all those ridiculous splits, it was great. But it's, it's not like he geared his whole season around it. He was still running True. other events. but. Yeah, so it's moved to I mean, November. That's a sure. Yeah, you mentioned people aren't gearing their seasons around half marathons, which is why the marathon world record was be able to be shattered so easily multiple times in a row. Because typically, the best long distance women and men use half marathons as tune ups and not as yeah the final race. So yeah, you're I'm right looking at when it comes to that. Yeah, I'm looking at. Camors, because he's the uh, most recent high profile. I'm not saying it's not a good race, but so he won world half in 14, 16, and 18. So let's just go back to 18. 18, he also ran New York City. I'd say that was a bigger race for him. 16, he ran the 10K in the Olympics and he ran the 5K at Pre. I'd say those were both bigger races for him when he won the world half title. 2014, he ran two marathons. He ran Tokyo and Berlin. I'm not saying it's not someone's most successful distance. I'm just saying it's not the most important race. So someone like Camor, obviously, all those gold medals, it's his most successful distance. But what's going to get uh, get him to the next level is how he's performing in on the track or in the marathons. Anyway, um, oh, so, someone in the chat says Tampa Eagle says Johnny Gray for quarterback on our 800 meter football team. Ooh. That's a good. That's a good pick too. Yeah. I like that. And Johnny Gray coached Dwayne Solomon. I get, we got to include Dwayne Solomon in there too, just based on his 800 exploits as well. He went to USC. There you go. So He could be like your I, halfback. He's on the squad. He's, he's somewhere on the squad. Uh, okay. What else is left here? Should we do the emails? Or do you want to talk about uh, Lance Harder announcing his retirement yeah. at the end of the was end of 2023? Pretty far out to like – He's like, I, <laughs> you normally give your yeah. two weeks notice. He's given like his, what, two, two years, years notice? Yeah, I like it. This is how I would do it though, too. It's all the, he's, he's a planner. It's the ultimate planning, right? You have the plenty of time to do a big transition. You get that last season. Everybody knows it's your last season. So big wind up into this one. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's easier on recruiting. To, so just, so. That basically this year's high school kids and next year's they know what they're getting themselves into if they go to Arkansas because if it's a last moment type thing, then all of a sudden you kind of lose a whole year of good recruits. So makes sense in that mindset. But yeah, man, Lance Harder, man, he, I mean, we'll probably talk about it more as his retirement gets closer because typically that's what you do when the oh what a what a what a year what a season, but um. His, his resume is, is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did. They, they had not won a, a cross title until uh, that that team in 2019 finally got it done. And then they, ha they held all three at the same time. But yeah, all the indoor titles and the outdoor titles as well, too. And it, I mean, you want to go farther back and look at SEC titles, it's, it gets pretty ridiculous at that point. And obviously, Arkansas men have the huge tradition with John McDonald of all the, of all the titles that they've won. And the, the women's side has been extremely successful. 
um, under under Harder's watch. So great career. Yeah, I mean, great career and six, time to win more titles too. He's got a chance yeah. to win more. Was it six NCAA titles, um, forty two conference titles, including the yeah. you know the triple crown in twenty nineteen, and then he's done the triple crown at the SEC level seven times. So pretty yeah, damn yeah. good. Um, you know, I wonder how it's going to change the dynamic of recruiting. I think still some of the best high school women are still going to want to run at Arkansas. It's still going to be a track powerhouse, even with the change of scenery. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. Arkansas was just a land wasn't Lance University, right? It was still Arkansas University. So I think they're still going to be fine in the future. But you know, it's whenever you have someone of that not aura, but like long standing stature, you know, there could be a, a dip in getting back to that level. So they Arkansas could see like a one to two year, you know, middle of the pack type run before they get back to being, you know, top ten team. Well I think this on paper every I think year, this you know. The reason you announce it this far or out, maybe, I don't know, but maybe it's to avoid that or minimize that because they named yeah. you know, Chris Johnson, who's already there, as the head coach in waiting. So it just makes it a, a smoother transition if you know who's who's coming in next and you kind of just ease into it and then you mi- minimize the big one-year drop-off of, oh, wait, that coach is not going to be there anymore? I'm not going to go there. And then you have just that that hole that you have to fill that sits there until the next recruiting class. But then you have to wait till that group almost phases out because if you had that one bad year, it's not just one year that it's holding you back because they're they have you know five year window to compete. And if you don't have uh, your normal recruits, it's tough to make up that ground. But yeah, we'll talk more about this. I guess until twenty twenty three, we should keep going. So um, I want to do emails. Is that cool? Let's do it. So first of all, we got a nice note from uh, Jacob who says, longtime listener, he's in the military and lives in Italy. Says he doesn't get to watch a lot of track and field events. I would like, but the podcast makes up for it. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out for being awesome. The pod keeps me company during my long drives to work. And he sent along this picture, a beautiful shot of what I assume to be the Italian countryside out there. So thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Emails like this, that's what keeps Gordon waking up six to seven minutes before the show starts in a true show of dedication. Just yeah, I witnessed, car, I, I witnessed a car accident. I came, you know, people like you witnessed the car accident, call, talk, you, you, you narked the guy who caused the accident to the police. We get it. I mean, Dude, the woman was did you feel bad like getting the guy in trouble? Be like, it was him, he did it, he said it. He said it to her. Oh, okay. He's like, my, that was my fault. That was my fault. No, dude, he, you should have seen how bad this car was. I, I was just there. Number one is muscle because, Hey, you know, look at me. I'm an intimidating presence. No, I was just there just in case. Like at first I didn't know she was okay. Right. Like you get hit like that. I'm like, is, is she going to yeah, yeah. get out of the car? And then number two, no one else stopped. Like a lady drove by. She's like, make sure you stay. I was like, cool. Thanks. Make sure you keep driving. I don't know. Like, I guess if, if you stay, then people are more likely to be, to be honest. Anyway, her car was messed up. Here's the email I really want to read. Thank you to Jacob, by the way. Oh, yeah, I think, it's cool from... some, I think it's cool someone from Italy is listening because, you know, it's not just a bunch of Americans, you know. You look at it, I've seen people from Australia, Singapore, Dubai, a bunch in Europe. Uh, yeah. I appreciate people listening just out, even outside the United States, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, he's, he's, final email. He's American, but he he's he's American, but he's in Italy, Gordon, with the military. Well, no, he's Italian. You're living in Italy. You're Italian. You're American, not. That's Italian not American. how that works. <laughs> Jeez, no, it's not. You're... I'm Texan, Gordon but I, I, I'm not from. I don't he's live here. Big... That's okay. Anyway, that's different. I know All how right. it works. I'm giving you a hard time. Sorry. All right, final email. Okay, here we go. This is a longer this one. Is a good email about the Kipchoge story. Yeah, this is great. Uh, all right. So Vic writes in. He was, he was there. The Kip Chase in Paris, running for those spots in Paris, twenty twenty four. 
Uh, he says, I have a lot to say about this activity, but let me give you a quick briefing. One, participants were not told clearly what the race would look like, but we were asked to be honest and pick the block. In this case, I think it means corral or how we would say that in the United States would be corral. According to our actual running skills, the email was sent the week before with the invitation. They also said that if we were not sure what block to pick, pick the next fastest one. I was in block four because block three was packed. So block one would be the slowest, right, Gordon? And then going back from there, is that how we're assuming? Yeah. Block one would start first. Correct. Okay. There was space in block one, but I was honest and picked the next fastest block. We were also told that we would be disqualified if we passed our block's pacer. But a few minutes before the exit, this was changed to you can pass the pacer after 2K, which was done in French only, leaving many of us doubtful if we had understood well, or in many cases, clueless about the change. Three, the blocks were packed and the exit was bottleneck. The first K was downhill, so people caught some real speed. Then the turns were challenging and the route was dangerous in some areas for the speed of the participants, sharp turns with little room. Four, Ilya did not run 100% on the same course as all the runners. When it passed me, when he passed me, he means to say there, he was on a different street. I will add a screenshot. I was hoping at least to see him passing me, but I did not, but I did not even get that. And he includes a picture here with Iliud running on the other side of the road with a large grass median, it looks like, in between. The shots we saw, he was running, passing people, but obviously they're going to show those shots because those are the most interesting. Five, Saturday during the number pickup, we were asked to wear the t-shirt with the corresponding block color. The t-shirt is made out of cotton. You know, one of those you would never wear to run. So the organization was willing to bring Iliad, but they were not willing to invest a couple of euros to give us at least a running t-shirt. Yeah, I know I'm being picky on this one. Six, this event was free, but not limited to French residents. So many of us travel from Germany, Spain, England, and other European countries. I'm not sure. Uh, I had gone all the way to Paris with one week to plan everything. If I had known Iliad would be 90 seconds behind me. <laughs> That's tough. When you find out the block you're in and you only get a 90 second head start on the greatest men's marathon runner in history. That's tough. That's tough break. Uh, he says, it is what it is, but there's a petition in change.org to reestablish fairness and give all participants a number. He's talking about a number in the mass race for 2024. The organization trying to do some damage control sent us an email saying that the first 200 of blocks four and five would get a bib. So those are the people who started. So if he was 90 seconds ahead of Kipchoge and he was in block four. Yeah. So but did block five get like a head, like a head start of like 60 seconds? Like, did they really think there was that many? If they knew Ellie was going to run 1420, did they really think there was that many people at this race who were like 15 flat? Like, that's hard to believe. Anyway, I continue. Uh, it was I was not in the first 200, fair enough, but these 400 big bibs were as responsible uh, to the backlash, a response falling short of any public acknowledgement of the poor plan that took place before, the, before during, and after the events. Uh, he sends along a link to the change.org uh, petition. He says it's in French, but you can Google Translate. He said, I want to share with you guys my experience and some notes you'll not see in the press. This could be a bad start for Paris 2024 that is already getting some bad rep because taxpayers will have to sponsor a lot of expenses for the Olympics. So I click on the change.org petition. And he's he's correct. It is in French. I translate it to English and these Google translates are pretty interesting. It says, uh, petition to restore fairness for obtaining the bib to participate in the Marathon Olympics 2024. We demand from the organization of the marathon race for all to restore fairness by automatically providing a bib to all participants of this race. The request is based on the deception of which the participants were the victim from a regulatory point of view. Uh, and then they list all the bullet points here as well. Um, this is an interesting turn of events here, Gordon. And I think I mentioned before, this is going to be hard to organize and do it in a way that's somewhat equitable. The marathon itself is going to be hard to organize because they're running at the same day as the Olympics. They just, they invited a bunch of logistical challenges with this, with doing this race. So I can see why people would be upset. Yeah, there's certain things in there that were like, you can't run faster than your own pacer. It's like, wait, what? So like, yeah, yeah. I thought the whole goal was to beat Kipchoge, not like beat Kipchoge within a certain param arbitrary yeah. parameter that's, written in French that you don't know the rules to. And, you know, I did like his little subtle of like, you had to wear cotton and that like was a big disadvantage. <laughs> Which I, I get but, it, but like, I mean, come on, you can, I, I've run in cotton shirts and it 
you 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 manage it's not the end of the world if i thought that was funny if this was if this was just a fun thing okay you laugh it off and you move on you're like all right don't take it so seriously but they were racing this was actually racing for something true and and they traveled to compete in this race with the idea that it could qualify now is the was the qualification off the wall a bit of course it was because you're beating kipchoge you don't know how hard kipchoge is gonna try clearly he's not trying his hardest so it's easy to dismiss it but when you think about the fact that they did dangle something out there the opportunity to win something and you want to win it based on merit not just on the honor system or uh some sort of quirk in the rules you can see why people get upset about that like if you're gonna do it and you're you're gonna uh, and you're gonna dangle the possibility of qualifying for a marathon you got to understand that runners are serious people and they're going to show up and they want clear and fair rules here. Yeah, it makes sense when you look, when you make a good point. If you said like, "Hey, you get to go to the Olympics if you do this," and then you realize it's rigged, that Kipchoge is not even going to be on the same pathway as you, that you're going to be on a different street. Yeah, you know, like look at this photo that they sent us. Like the runner, <laughs> like how is that possible? What? Why are there two different yeah. paths on the same trail? Right? It makes no makes no sense. Um, but the thing that's just here, yeah, it could have been. I I just don't understand the whole idea is like you can't run past your pacer, like yeah, that's so that makes no sense. I yeah, and the whole they seem to do a good job at. Well, here's the thing. If you were like, how do you prefer? Say you're like a 15 minute 5k runner, right? Yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm going to pretend I'm a 20-minute 5K runner. And then, therefore, I'm guaranteed I can just mm-hmm. have an extra five minutes of – so they're trying to prevent that. So I'm guessing that's why they said you can't run past your yeah. pacer because they don't want you to sandbag your time. Yeah. Okay. But, but what they should have done one. is they should have done this. They should have done this. They should have said, mm-hmm. everyone starts at this time. Kipchoge is going to start four minutes later. And you're either in or you're out. They, sh- they try to make it yeah. so, like, we can, like, get a little bit of every level in. They should have just been like, everyone goes. Kipchoge yeah. waits. And then he goes. And I'm sorry, but if you're, like, a 22-minute 5K runner, then you're not going. Now, the problem is, how do you handle, like, it's basically all the men are going to get in and the women won't because, you know. Yeah. So you'd have to – what they should have – they should have done like a – maybe like a conversion factor of like if Kipchoge beats you. I don't know for the whip. Typically, these type of situations well, are for charity and basically, yeah, you know, you serious. start last and every person you pass donates money to charity. Right. They've never really right. done it where – you get this arbitrary head start and then you get an actual prize yeah. for winning this arbitrary head start. So yeah. the whole concept's kind of flawed in the beginning because how do you make it equal to for age group and gender to make it fair for everyone yeah. competing against a virtual Kipchoge? Yeah. Here's here's what you gotta do. You can't go in the middle. You either gotta do all the work or you gotta just let it be a free-for-all. And this is true, not just with this race, but there's a lot of times in life when you're organizing something and you got to decide between those two, because when you go in the middle, that's when problems come up. So what you said was a free-for-all. It doesn't need to be four minutes. Maybe it's six minutes. Maybe it's five minutes. Whatever. Pick a number. Kipchoge is going to start then. If you beat him, you're in. If you don't beat him, you're out. That's it. Or you do all the work. You let 3,500 people in. You hire 10, 20 people part-time to just get on Strava, look up all their data. No, I'm serious. 35, how long would it take? 3,500 people. If you, if you yeah, had a, a group long. of volunteers. Yeah, would not, would yeah. not take that long. Try to get a good gauge, get it on the waiver ahead of time that says, hey, we are assigning you a bib. You have to accept it, right? You have to accept it. So we create some sort of score. You score this, you're in this corral based on what you've run before on on strava and in this the incentive is to be seen as a lower seed i guess but if you pull enough data from strava you get a pretty good indication 
And if you get a bad beat and you're in the wrong corral, so what? That's the rule. But this middle ground where we want to put it, we want to stagger the starts based on ability, but it's on the honor system and you can't pass the pacer. So you're kind of screwed in that sense. But these people are only getting, uh, these people can't understand the directions because they're in French, um, is tough. Like that's that's where you get into this 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 middle ground, which causes all these issues. I do remember there was, there's like a famous race. I think it's in Ireland. It's like a street race. It's like a kid like race in like a yard, and it, it happens in a nation, and it's all based off of like ability, where like there's like a handicap, and it's like trying to find like the fastest kid in the country. And there was a big controversy because there was apparently accusations of people sandbagging their entry times and to, or to achieve. Do you know what this race is? It's like. No, no. Sounds interesting. Ireland kid race controversy. I'm Googling. Uh, I'm not going to be able to find it. Anyway. But yeah. Hold, let me Basically what you said is you can't go half. You can't. Say like, hey, honor system, figure it out, and then we'll see what happens, and we'll celebrate at the end. Um, they should have done. Here's, I do like the whole like Strava route of like having hardcore investigative reporters go into the yeah. like, all right, what was your rest on this workout you did? Okay, dude, this mm -hmm. that's a factor of this, and you're now in the blue corral because of this Strava segment that you did two yeah. two months ago. Well, it doesn't sound like they announced this ahead of time very much. And and someone can write in and correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, someone wouldn't be able to cheat the system with Strava because they have you have enough data. It's it's not as if they announced the race a year ago and then you could fake your, you know, run waste. That'd be stupid too. You're gonna run slower for an entire year on Strava just because just because you want to get into a race. That'd be that'd be kind of silly. I think most people would be honest. Cause they want to have a better seed in this case aka a slower seed but they also want to impress their friends on strava so i think yeah. impressing their friends on strava with fast workouts wins out i want to read this comment though there's a comment on the change.org petition gordon it says we came from strasburg with stars in our eyes but losing without a fight is unfair and does not convey the values of the sport i was like many in the fastest airlock i broke i think like many all my records but the monster had overtaken me for a long time before two kilometers i believe i returned to strasburg with tears in my eyes i feel like the meat director underestimated the seriousness Serious. that local yes. runners take when it comes to road racing they probably thought oh it's a festival environment we're gonna go run and we're gonna give out a couple prizes to people who finish ahead of kachogi to go come back in 2024. They didn't realize they're going to get the serious people who are traveling miles and miles who want to yeah. move on to the next round. And they kind of underestimated. They, they thought it was a, yeah, there's a change out of they, The person who came up with this idea had no idea that they were like inviting the, yeah, yeah. they probably aren't runners. Maybe, well, maybe the person who's the meat director isn't a runner and doesn't understand running culture and how they operate. They probably thought, It'll be a fun idea. It's probably some marketing exec, right? Who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, you know, for the Olympics, who has no idea connecting to running at all. Oh, yeah, let's put on a road race. Oh, yeah, Kipchoge, he's that sub two hour guy. Yeah, make him run. It'll be fun. You know, they're probably very spitballing in some on a Zoom meeting and then not realizing yeah. they got change.org coming after them now. They came from Strasbourg with stars in their eyes, Gordon how it started and it ended it on a road in Champs-Élysées I mean imagine getting pumped up though and to run this thing and at the very least it's going to be a good story because Kipchoge is going to pass you in the last yeah. mile and instead he passes you at 2k on across the street and you don't even notice it until someone says hey wait is that Kipchoge that'd be annoying yeah. I could see that that would be annoying and I'm on the more relaxed end when it comes to recreational running. And I would be annoyed by that. I didn't even come from Strasbourg with stars in my eyes. I came from my house to read this email and it still, it still kind of bothered me. So I'm with them. I'm with them. All right.
we'll sign the Friday. petition. Yeah, Gordon will sign the petition. I'll sign the petition. Uh, coming up on Friday, New York City Marathon preview show. That's going to be a great show. Make sure you tune in uh, either live or catch the show archive on the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel or wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Check out the NCAA Cross Country Show. The latest episode is now up. I'll have another race breakdown up on Friday. I think I'm going to do Sifan Hassan's 10K world record, which only lasted for two days, but it lived on in our hearts, Gordon. I might talk about that one. There's some interesting stuff in that 2906. For Colt, our producer, and for my co-host, Gordon Mack, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you guys on Friday.